Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Welcome to Hard Currency, the Financial Times podcast, which looks at the week's big stories affecting the foreign exchange market. I'm Roger Blitz, and this week attention was directed to the delightful Portuguese resort of Sintra for the gathering of central bank governors to talk about the world. And from that emerged big moves in the euro and the pound as the European Central Bank and the Bank of England both appeared to encourage the idea that the days of monetary easing are very much numbered. So what are the implications, not just for the eurozone in the UK, but for monetary policy in general and for those other big currency beasts, the dollar and the yen? Stephen, welcome. Um, The first thing to get out of the way is whether the BOE and the ECB miss miscommunicated. There's an awful lot of talk about this. Does it matter terribly? You could probably argue they did miscommunicate in the sense that there wasn't a single message coming from them. They seemed to be several messages. But does it really matter? Well, ultimately, this is going to be determined by market expectations of future developments in, in monetary policy. So I think the bottom line here is their words are powerful. So there is a sensitivity in the foreign exchange market particularly. But in reality, we think we're coming towards the end of, should we say, maximum dovishness as far as the ECB is concerned. Yeah. We know we are exiting. It's really down to the pace of that exit. Right. It looks like, at least in some quarters, it's going to be incredibly slowly. Is it going to be so slow as to be unnoticeable? I think that is the case in, with ECB. So from that perspective, we would argue maybe the markets have got ahead of themselves, uh, as certainly as far as European bonds and the euro is concerned. Our view at BNP Paribas is very straightforward. We think they will announce a tapering in September. That tapering will start off in January, probably a further 20 billion uh, euros of the purchases. They will exit QE by the middle of the year, and then they will start the process of very gradually returning the deposit rate to zero. Now, it's currently at minus 40 basis points. We think it will be at zero by the end of 2018. And what a difference it's been from the start of the year. We never thought that that the market would be so supportive of the euro and so down on the dollar. Have the market got that wrong? Are you confident that the market knows what it's thinking about the dollar? Well, look, this is a really good point, Roger. I think the point I would make here is that beginning of the year here, we just had Donald Trump elected as the new president in the US. The market was hugely focused on that. There was what we call the reflation trade in markets, which was all about stronger US growth, very aggressive Federal Reserve hiking rates and much higher bond yields in the US, pushing the dollar higher. And it's the ECB now talking about reflation. Well, this is the point. I think we expected policy divergence with the US hiking this year. Other central banks doing very little. What's happened are two things. Firstly, we've had quite a lot of disappointment with that view in the US. And I would argue, well, from a BNP Paribas perspective, the market went from a very long dollar position to now overall net short position of the dollar, shows you the extent of the disappointment. In contrast to that, the market is now quite long of the euro, and the market is very much focusing on hawkishness coming from the ECB, which would be a tightening of monetary policy, up against what we just spoke about, disappointment with the US. 
Hence, this very elevated position we have so of euro dollar. Let me get this right. Do you do you think is the market wrong to get long euro and short dollar, uh, or or is there justification in going long euro at the moment, given the strength of the mm. eurozone economy? And after all, as you say, you know, tapering was going to was always going to to happen at some point, albeit slowly. Well, it's a good question. I, I think the market is currently focused on what it currently hears and sees. Yeah. And what it's hearing is an end of um, easy policy in the eurozone against very disappointing data out of the US. Mm. I think that second part could change in the US side. Our view is the Fed is likely to continue to hike. If we do get a rebound in growth in the second half of the year in the US, that will certainly cause the Fed to re-engage. And I think, importantly, for the market to preempt that re-engagement. Up against foreign exchange market that is very short of the dollar, you could see a scramble to shift to the other direction to dollar longs. And there are other reasons, aren't there, for believing that the dollar depreciation is overdone. I mean, there is the the issue of the balance sheet and and rewinding of that. Uh, And also, obviously, the possibility that the fiscal can still come back. Yes. Now, these these are two very important factors that you mentioned. Our view, again, at BNP Paribas is that the Fed will announce in July the start of uh, the reduction of its balance sheet. That will push US yields higher, particularly at the longer end. So that's supportive for the dollar. Secondly, we don't think the reflation trade, as far as US fiscal expansion is concerned, is dead. So we think there will be an increase in US GDP based on fiscal expansion, including tax reductions of around 0.5% in 2018. That will add to pressure for the Fed to hike rates. Yes. So our view at BNP Paribas is the market is underpricing the potential for Fed rate hikes, particularly in 2018. If and when the market comes to price that in, we think that there's a very strong chance the dollar rebounds here. Coming back to communications, it's, it's ironic that the market is perhaps over-interpreting what Draghi is saying and under-interpreting what Yellen is saying. They don't seem to care that Yellen is blithely unconcerned about inflation. Uh, which is quite a remarkable thing for her to have said. And they're parsing Draghi to the nth degree and sending the euro higher. Do you think that's a communication issue that, that the market's getting wrong from well, the, from its point of view? I, I think, yes, I, I would agree there's the, the potential for the market view to shift. So by definition, the, the current move could be incorrect. And I think the big move probably comes from the Fed side. Um, there seems to be a big disconnect between the so-called dots or what the Fed is signaling to the market it intends to do and what the market believes. So if that changes, if the market comes on board with the Fed, and I should say BNP Paribas expectations for those significant rate hikes, particularly in 2018, the dollar should rebound quite nicely. Now, one person who would like the market to recalibrate the way it thinks about the dollar is Mario Draghi, because presumably he's not exactly thrilled about seeing that, well, at the pace of the euro's rise this week. What does that mean for him? If he wants to taper, might a strong euro stop him from doing so? Might he comfortably be able to say, well, a strong euro is doing the tightening for me? Well, that later statement is certainly correct. And the way we would answer that question is by looking at what we call financial conditions. And the euro, or the currency, uh, feeds into those financial conditions. As a currency appreciates, in this case the euro, financial conditions tighten. So that's the similar impact he wants from hiking interest rates or by becoming more hawkish. If the euro does sustain these levels or appreciates further, 
then there's less need for him to actually deliver on uh, this hawkish monetary policy. So lots to play for with the ECB. Uh, two central banks I want to also mention. First of all, the yen and the, the BOJ. People forget that Kuroda was also at Sintra. Um, but then again, he did pretty much keep things as they were. We have, if you like, three tiers of central bank policy speeds. One is the US, which has been at it since December 2015. The other is, as you say, the BOE, the, the Bank of Canada as well, and uh, the ECB now looking at going higher, and the BOJ stuck mm. stuck in the garage, as it were. What does this mean, particularly for, say, Euro-Yen, mm. for example? This is a really interesting way to look at it. Certainly from our perspective, the biggest currency moves come when you have the largest policy divergence amongst the central banks. And currently, the biggest policy divergence with the Fed is Japan, because the Japanese are showing no interest in in, in hiking rates or easing up on um, loose monetary policy. So from that perspective, dollar-yen continues to rise. And this is interesting because you're seeing a divergence here between the dollar against the euro and the yen. The dollar is going down against the euro, but up against the the yen. And that's the pure policy divergence working. To answer your question about euro-yen, that trend supports euro-yen. So as the ECB signals a more hawkish bent against no change in Japan, it drives the euro higher against the yen as well. So not only is the euro appreciating versus the dollar, it's also appreciating versus the yen. Yes. And we're about to hear Donald Trump once again complain about the weak yen. It's going to re-enter the political sphere. Yeah, I think it comes down to levels and also policy being driven by the central bank. I think the Japanese, like many central banks currently, are quite afraid of Donald Trump and quite afraid of being perceived as engineering a weak currency. So from their perspective, the fact that we're at say 112, which is a higher spot level than we were earlier in the year, but still somewhat below, say, what would be perceived as a very weak yen level, say 125 or 130. I think the Japanese are still quite comfortable that we're down here at 125. If you added 10 yen to that, if you got to 100 and so we're at 112. If we added 10 yen to that, say 122, in a rapid manner, I think that could irk some of the US policymakers. Okay, talking of politics, there seems to be a very vibrant debate in the Bank of England, which seems to centre around the importance that we should be placing on Brexit and issues at Westminster compared to wider issues such as the global economy. On the one hand, Mark Carney, the governor, seems to be more concerned about the politics than, say, Andy Haldane, the chief economist. Is that your reading of it? Yes, I I think we would agree with that. Certainly there's been a a lack of cohesion from the Bank of England on its rhetoric recently. And the real outlier here has actually been Mark Carney, uh, the governor, where he was saying now was not the time to hike interest rates because I think he points quite clearly to the uncertainty from the Brexit vote. From that perspective, I think there is probably a live debate going on at the Bank of England. And I think the differentiating factor here is how the individual members view the risk from Brexit. And it it seems very clearly that Mark Carney is putting more weight on that risk than the other members or or some other members of the uh, MPC. So just finally, Stephen, if you were a member of the MPC... Mm what would you be proposing? Well, our view at BNP Paribas is that the MPC actually will not hike rates. We don't think there's a need for that at the moment. We think the rise in inflation is almost exclusively coming from the weak pound. It should prove relatively uh, temporary. And remember also, the Bank of England has a history of looking through spikes in inflation and not reacting. So twice in the last decade, 2008 and then I believe 2008, 
2012, we had CPI at 5% in, in the UK and the Bank of England resisted hiking rates right. because of other factors in the economy. Yeah. I think that tells us we probably won't see a, a rate hike from the Bank of England anytime soon. Great. OK, my thanks to Stephen Saywell of BNP Paribas. Next week is likely to see more issues about central bank communications, good and bad, about the slow death of quantitative easing and about Bank of England division. So join us again next week for Hard Cut. The latest episode of The Next Five podcast is all about AI and the business travel sector. I speak to Tim LaBelle, head of product for SAP Concur Spend Solutions. We'll have so much data that our travel will be safer. Shelley Fletcher-Bryant, VP of Advito. AI can certainly contribute to more eco-friendly travel practices. And author and public speaker, Theo Lau. AI can help us predict when it will be a peak travel, more delays, cancelled flights. Listen to the full episode of The Next Five wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy. Goodbye.